losses, of course, we the very the the, the loss of Richard so fresh, um, and it, again, really been thinking about you guys over Christmas, uh, Ginny, and um, and remembering Richard with such affection, and also just praying today for Nettie. Um, her dad died just before Christmas, Malcolm, and the committal service is, is on Monday the 9th of January. So if you're keeping Nettie in prayer, she's not very well today, that's why she's not here. But uh, we do, if you're watching online, Nettie, um, then um, we, we keep you in our thoughts and prayers too. And uh, again, for me, this, this year, it's been really significant. It's lovely to have had a new grandson born just before Christmas. And... Um, He's lovely. Spent lots of time over Christmas with with us, and uh, and looking forward um, into 2023. Obviously, um, for Rob, who's sat at the back, looking very um, fresh, <laughs> clean, youthful. Um, um, for for Rob and Pam, in, in kind of transitioning their roles within our church and city, that's been quite a big deal for for us. It's lovely to be part of their Thanksgiving uh, event last last year, wasn't it? And and looking forward this year. Um, we as as you know we've been having a strategic review it's been a, a big exercise it's not finished we've had 10 consultants looking at all aspects of our church life and our congregations around the city and we'll be having a report um back you know a, a summary of, of those findings at the end of february and we'll be meeting as a senior leadership team and, and trustees to look at the findings and think oh well do we resonate with those things is, and, and and what challenges are, are we facing and what opportunities do we have as we want to continue our mission to see bristol and beyond transformed with the love and power of god to, to see that kind of opportunity for every man woman and child in our city to have opportunities to hear the good news about jesus to become part of a community of people that love and follow him so hi guys good to see you happy new year to you our Sri Lankan contingent. <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, so do keep praying for us about that, and we'll, we'll obviously we'll be giving you feedback about, about the whole review process. I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 onwards. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I went to a covenant service yesterday. There are a few of us here who are at that covenant service. It was a very specific sort of covenant service. It was a marriage service. And Ludo and Estera got married um, upstairs and then had a little celebration down here, which is why we have a lot of fresh fruit juice and why the tables at ADH are groaning with leftover food because um, there was a lot of food and not that many people. But it's actually a really sweet service. Very, very sweet. And just to hear... Ludo, you know, we've known for a long time, those of us who know Ludo, if you don't know Ludo, he was our caretaker here. He's a French man and became, came to faith really at Woody's and, um, and, and grew and, and became a very, very um, effective minister, really. 
Um, and uh, it was lovely to be able to celebrate his marriage with a very special um, Romanian woman, Estera, and, uh, and to hear them make their promises to one another and to celebrate with them. And it, it was a, the marriage service is a covenant service. You make these huge statements with you. You say, you know, I, I'm giving myself all that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. You know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in, in health, you know, forsaking all others to be faithful to you, all that language around covenant. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that in, in this covenant, uh, comment that the Lord says through Jeremiah to the house of Israel. He says, um, they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. The, the, the covenantal relationship that, uh, that is pictured here isn't just um, a kind of overlord to vassals or whatever. It is much more intimate than that. It's, it's husband to bride. But um, covenants, they are big deals because they are foundations for life. And and I think there are um, probably, certainly biblically, and, and, and even today, there, there are at least these kind of forms of covenant that are foundations and societal covenants, covenants that government makes to its people and vice versa. In, in, in ancient days, it would be covenants that, that, that kings would make with their, with their people and would be reciprocated in, in allegiances and, and um um, and, and commitments in a time of war this is what our covenant is in a time of peace this is what our covenant is and it's designed for giving a foundation for society to exist and business covenants also exist don't they between people who make contracts with one another to deliver goods and services to be able to trade and and um and of course there are relational covenants too covenants like the marriage covenant, but sometimes covenants between friends. We, we, we kind of see in the Bible the covenant that David and Jonathan make with one another. That's a real friendship covenant. And today, though uh, the marriage one is legal, people still make uh, relational covenants, and it might be to do with, with money and, and legacies and, and a whole range of things. But uh, those, those covenants, they are so important because they give a foundation for us to do life on that we can trust. And therefore, if covenants are broken, things are destabilized. And uh, we're aware that covenants do get broken. And in, in the foundation of covenants that depend on trust and loyalty, and that's so significant, often there are, we don't just depend on, on, on trust and loyalty. You know, that there may well be, in some of them, penalty clauses. If you break the covenant, this is what happens. And they're often in a covenant initiated over some sort of power gradient that's really good to be aware of as well. Is, is there someone who is um, superior making covenant with someone who is more, uh, more vulnerable in, in that situation and, and needs the covenantal allegiance? In the Bible, uh, in biblical times, covenants are solemnized with ritual. It might be around a dead animal, you know, actually killing an animal, quartering it, butchering it, walking between the parts of the animal as a symbol of, of the life and death significance of, of the covenant. It might be, might be celebrated over a meal, and a, and a meal is a sacred thing, and it's a place of, of fellowship and, and intimacy. And, and the fact that we've 
eaten with one another means that, that, that trust must be between us. Otherwise, it's deeply dishonoring and deeply shameful. And of course, all of those covenantal things are caught up in the, the Christian covenant of Holy Communion, where we celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made, the memorial to that. We celebrate the meal that he gave us. And it's a place where we are in covenant relationship with God, where we say, God, you are our king and we are your people. We say to, to God, we say to Jesus, you are the bridegroom and we are the bride. We say to God, we are called into your business of seeing transformation in the world. We are your servants and we recommit ourselves to that servanthood. And so those, those three elements of covenant, if you like, they're all caught up for us in our rhythm of covenant keeping as we share Holy Communion. And as we look through the, the story of the, the Bible, we see that the whole history of Israel is bound up with covenant. It's about God taking initiative to rescue his people. And the covenants begin right back there in the book of Genesis. And, and we're familiar with lots of them, aren't we? We're familiar with the covenant sign of the flood and, 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 and the rainbow. That's, that's a promise. This is, I'm never going to flood it again. We're familiar with, with the covenants that, that God makes with, with Abraham to, to grant him uh, um, uh, offspring and, and to give him a land. And, and we're aware of the kind of covenant keeping that is initiated by Moses and, and, and the law that's been given and this kind of solemn you know, way of life or way of death and, 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 and promises of blessings and implications for breaking covenant. And then there's the, there's the, the whole cycle of covenant breaking of, of Israel falling into disaster and in their disaster crying out to God and God stepping in again and rescuing them. And um, it feels like the, the, the problem with the covenant, you know, the problem that, that the, the, the Bible record gives us isn't that there's a problem with the covenant itself, but it's a problem with the covenant keepers. And in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah uh, in Nehemiah chapter 9 gives a, a kind of resume. This is what's happened. This is what we've kept doing. And, and there's a solemn renewal of covenant there in, in Nehemiah 9. I, I haven't really got time to read that to you. But that's why for Jeremiah, as he looks forward to all that God's going to do. It's not saying that um, this new covenant is because there was something particularly wrong with the old one. Rather, he's saying there's something particularly wrong with the covenant keepers. They broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. And what breaks covenant in marriage is a heart problem. When, when Jesus talks about Moses and, and divorce, and, and the question is, you know, in, in, in the law, it says, you know, Moses gave us this way of dealing with broken covenant. And, and Jesus says to them, God gave you divorce because your hearts were harsh. It was not that way in the beginning. That wasn't God's intention. It's hardness of heart that breaks that covenant of intimacy. And the solution that God has for us is a new heart, a change of heart, based on the work of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus, of course, is the second Adam, the righteous branch, the son of man, the one who, as a representative human being, keeps covenant perfectly with God. 
who fulfills the law. And on the basis of his perfect life, we get a chance to have the spirit of Jesus in our own hearts. And, and what the spirit of Jesus does is changes from within. You know, so much of, 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 of what the New Testament brings to us, the life of Jesus, and even the Sermon on the Mount that we've have been listening to today is, is challenged that we feel is so far beyond us. And it's rightly so, because God knows that we do need a new heart. And that isn't something that's imposed upon us, as if God does kind of surgery against our will. It's something that God invites us to have. Would you like a new heart? Would you like a new spirit? Would you like to, to have the capacity to be the person that you want to be? When Paul's writing in Romans 7, he describes what it's like to want to keep the covenant and finding that within himself there isn't the capacity to do it. You know, I, I don't do the things I want to do. The things I want to do, those things I do not do. Oh, wretched man, I am. Who will free me from this body of death? And then he says, thanks to, be to, to God for the, the life of the Spirit. And the good news for us as, as people seeking to renew covenant with, with God today is God wants us to renew our hearts so that we will desire the things that he desires for us. And, and I know that for me, guarding my heart is absolutely the most important thing that I can do. And as I go into 2023, it's not primarily about the practices, the externals. It's more about the internal. You know, um, we make lots of resolutions. And unless we want to do those things, we can recognize, oh, I really should lose weight. I will go on a diet. I will do more exercise. But if I don't really want to, I'm not going to keep that part of the bargain with myself. But if we want to follow Jesus, he wants to come and empower us by his Holy Spirit to live the life that we want to live. And it's exactly, well, perhaps it's best replicated in, in the words of, of the, the marriage covenant. All that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. It is that, uh, you know, well, God, you're my God. Where can I go? We've said it today. You know, where can I go? It's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sickness and health. You're my God. And so we're going to take a chance just to reflect on the, the words of, of the Methodist Covenant Service, which I grew up with, which was that practice every year to, to kind of say these, these kind of really searching words. And, and we could read these words and think, I can't say those because it's scary. Can I really say, God, put me to suffering? Can I really say to God, let me be employed for you or laid aside for you? Can I really say that my identity and status is completely at your disposal, not about mine? But actually, that is the life of Jesus. <coughs> Jesus, who was willing to be ranked with the people that God gave him to walk with. Jesus, who was uh, happy to be laboring as a carpenter for 30 years before beginning his preordained ministry of messiahship. It was Jesus who was willing to say, it's better for me to suffer than to sin. 
And if suffering is going to redeem the world, then I'm willing to walk that road. And to do all that, not in a spirit of duty or fear, but the spirit of loving fellowship and partnership and sonship with his Father in heaven. And so if we pray this kind of prayer, we're praying it to God, we actually trust that every ingredient will be for our good and our blessing. If God is for us, which he is. But what it does do, if we take it seriously, it deals with the power of our ego to want to be the center of the universe and say, I'm going to take myself fully off that throne and put you fully on it, Lord God, trusting that I am to you part of your precious bride who you want to perfect. I want to become the person that you want me to become. So if you're willing and able to, then do say this, this prayer with me. Otherwise, just um, reflect on it and and let's go as far as we can in our discipleship. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. <coughs> Father God, we pray that you would so fill us with your Holy Spirit that we walk with you as Jesus walked with you, that we hear your voice as Jesus heard your voice, that we surrender our own will as Jesus surrendered his own will, that we see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in the things that we touch, in 2023, in Jesus' name. Amen.